0: This is Chris from Play Comics, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. Hi, I'm Chris McBride, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 84, the Oscars Hall of Fame. <laughs> Chris McBrien and Yancey Eaton is actually on vacation this week, but we're still going to put out an episode. And so we reached out to our good friend, Caveman himself, Derek Myers. And of course, he agreed very graciously to come on the show and join me this week. So, Derek, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Always, always a fun time.
0: It is. It is. So uh, what's going on in uh, pop culture and uh, in your world right now?
1: Well, I had the pleasure of seeing the new film Bohemian Rhapsody, the biopic on uh, Freddie Mercury and the band Mm. Queen, Yes, and I loved it. Now, truth be told, I'm a pretty big fan of Queen to begin with, so they had my money no matter how good or how bad it was going to be. We saw it on opening night. It was great. Uh, Remy Malik, who a lot of people will probably know from the show Mr. Robot, which if you haven't seen it, season one was fantastic. I haven't seen more than that, so I can't recommend more than that. But he was great. Uh, He really embodied Freddie Mercury. He he moved like him. He danced like him. He, uh, you know, he wasn't doing his own singing. That was all really Freddie Mercury's voice. But it was a spectacle to watch. Um, obviously the movie, what you, if you've probably heard in, in the media has some inaccuracies, they did make some subtle changes for purposes of storytelling, uh, and it's a PG 13. And certainly some of the things in Freddie Mercury's real life were, uh, well, definitely restricted or possibly <laughs> X rated. Um, but the, uh, basically it's a good excuse to go to the movies for two hours and 15 minutes and hear all your favorite queen songs. And if you are even sort of on the fence about, well, you know, I sort of like the band, I would still encourage you to see it. It was great. I loved it. There's no doubt in my mind it will be nominated for Best Picture. There is no doubt in my mind Remy Malek will be nominated for Best Actor. Uh, whether or not it will win, who knows? I haven't seen a lot of the other contenders. Um, although, since we're talking about it, I did see the movie First Man uh, about Neil Armstrong yeah. with Ryan Gosling a few weeks ago. How was and it? And I didn't like it. Um, I'm a big NASA nerd. Like I love everything about the moon landing, the Apollo missions, the Gemini missions. And if there's documentaries on TV about the moon landing, I'm there. I'm all in. And like Apollo 13, great movie. Love it. And I went to see this movie and I'm a big fan of Ryan Gosling, fellow Canadian. And uh, no, I didn't love it. I didn't uh, didn't care for it. I, uh, I, I sort of felt I was sold a pig in a poke. Like what the trailers made it look like versus what it actually was to me didn't sort of match up. I'm glad I saw it. But I, I'm not recommending it to anyone.
0: Now, just back to the Freddie Mercury movie for a second, yes. because um, one thing that I found interesting, like, I don't know much about it. Like, I mean, I want to go see it. Obviously, I, I think it'd be good. Um, I thought it's interesting. you mentioned that the actor that plays in it uh, doesn't do his own singing in it, which is really, really cool, because a lot of these Hollywood movies, more and more, they're getting the actors to to do their own singing, like even in biopics and stuff like that. And this is one case where that is just absolutely not possible. Like, it's not possible because Freddie Mercury is the greatest singer who, who ever was. He is the greatest singer that ever will be. There is just absolutely no comparison to him. So you have to basically use his vocals
1: absolutely movie, right? and yeah you're 100 correct yeah. like i'm thinking back to like walk the line about johnny Cash right. with joaquin phoenix i'm i may be wrong but i'm pretty sure joaquin phoenix did a lot of his own singing in i think that. He did it all yeah yeah, yeah and it and sounded great don't get me wrong i mean my parents love country movie I gr- music i grew up with country music in the house so as much as it's not my favorite genre I, I do have a little bit of a background in it and and i really enjoyed that i thought it was great but uh yeah this one no doubt. It had to be the real Freddie Mercury or it was absolutely not going to work. Mm-hmm. And it worked. It worked just fine. It was oh, great.
0: Okay. I have two things that I'd like to get you pop culture wise before we get into our topic this week. Uh, number one, I'd like to give a happy birthday shout out to Henry Winkler. The Fonz is 73 years old and... Anyone who's listened to this show, even on a semi-regular basis, knows how much I love Henry Winkler. Um, he is the greatest icon of my childhood. And to me, he just seems like one of the most genuine, nicest human beings on the planet. Like I didn't get a chance to meet him at Hamilton Comic Con this year because he had to cancel his appearance, but I just want to start off the show by wishing a, a huge happy birthday to the Fonz, Henry Winkler. So that's the first. And by the way, I also um, sent this uh, message out on social media. I don't know if you saw it or not, uh, Derek. Uh, I found I, a, I found a Fonzie shirt that I want for <laughs> I Christmas. Saw it, yeah. And my wife was like, "You're not getting that." And I'm so I was like, encouraging people, please message my wife and tell her that she should buy this for me. So please, you know, message my wife and tell her I deserve the Fonzie shirt.
1: So, Chris, can I can I make a, an alternate suggestion? I guess, if, yeah. If you're wearing the Fonzie shirt, she has to see it. And I think that's probably what she doesn't like. So maybe <laughs> you should get it for her. That way, she doesn't have to look at it. Right, and, and I still to get see to see, see Fonzie. Every time you see your lovely wife. You also see the font. So it's like a double win every time she walks in the room.
0: Right, now you're onto something. I'm telling you. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that it's been a little while. When was the last time you were on the show? A couple months, a couple months ago? Uh,
1: yeah, at least a month or more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. So you were on and you were telling me the last time you were on the show that you had found this game at a, um, oh, a yard yes. sale, uh, Escape from the Death Star, of which I promptly said, well, I'm coming down to your place. You have to have me down for a night so that we can get together and we can have a couple beers and we can play Escape from the Death Star. But I have yet to get that invitation yet. So yeah, I'm still right. sure. waiting on that one. So <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Um, okay. So getting into the topic this week, uh, like I say, I reached out to you, uh, Yancey's away. So you graciously agreed to come on the show. Do you want to maybe just talk a little bit about, about the topic? Because you were the one that suggested this topic for the show. I like this idea. Do you want yes, uh, to explain to everybody okay. what the topic is?
1: Okay. So uh, as, as I assume every listener who listens to your podcast know every year, the Academy Awards happen and they award the best in movies and cinema from the past year. And that's great. I mean we love them. We hate them. We agree. We disagree. There's a lot to talk about. It's it's the culmination of awards season and uh, I, I and, you know every time I seem to be on this podcast, somehow we talk about Oscar nominations, Oscar awards, whatever and, and like that's how big a deal it is in the entertainment industry. But – uh, I listen to uh, the podcast by uh, Bill Simmons, who some people might recognize. He used to work for ESPN. Um, he's known as the sports guy. He uh, he now is uh, the head of TheRinger.com, which is also a great sports and pop culture uh, uh, website. They do a lot of great podcasts, including The Rewatchables, which I strongly encourage your listeners to listen to because they probably would love it. Um, and many times, Simmons and his pals have talked about uh, what if we sort of overlap the way Sports awards their awards the same way that movies award their awards. And they say, like, in basketball, because Simmons is a big basketball guy, they have to wait – a player has to wait five years after retirement before they're eligible to be voted into the Hall of Fame. Baseball, same thing. You retire, you wait five years, you can go on the ballot. Hockey, you only have to wait three years, you go on the ballot. But in all cases, you can't immediately go into the Hall of Fame when you say you retire. There needs to be a waiting period. And I love this idea because it, it really makes you think like three or three years or five years go by and then the name shows up and you're like – then you start to think about it. You're like, well, did that guy really deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? And it's not like, hey, this guy just had an amazing season. He won a championship and then retired where you're going to be like knee-jerk reaction. Of course he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. There's like a, a pause. And so Simmons has proposed this on many, many occasions on his website and his guys have talked about it uh, on and off. What if movies were the same way? What if this year the Oscar awards were being awarded for movies and performances that happened five years ago instead of the stuff that just happened? And then the the voters would have to really take into consideration five years have passed. Is this actor, actress – deserving of the award that is called best. 5 years have passed. Do we really think they were the best? What has time showed us, especially with best picture? 5 years have passed. Do we still think this is the best picture from 5 years ago? Or after some time has passed, have we have we sort of digested the nominees a little better and then gone, "You know what? That movie definitely deserves a nomination, but I don't think it's the best." So, Chris, what I'm proposing we talk about tonight is we go back to some of the various years and we review the performances and the awards for best Picture, the awards for best director, and we talk about it and we say, do you think if five years had to be to had to pass before they awarded these these Oscars, would these same winners have won them
0: right with some and, with some in with some reflection period, would they be the same exactly
1: and in some cases because I've spent the last uh, you know week or so going over the list again before in preparation for the show. There's a lot of years where I think it's perfect. They've got the right person, won the award, hands down, no question, no debate, we're done. And, but I think there are a lot of examples where maybe when the award was given out, it seemed like, yes, this was the best picture, but as time has passed, you sort of look back and go, that one might have been good at the time, but now that some time has passed – it is not the best when you look at that list. So with that in mind, let's pick some of these dates. Let's pick some of these years. Let's pick some of these categories. Let's look at some of what I think we can charitably call gross injustices and, and see where essentially the wrong person won the award or the wrong movie was awarded based on history. Okay. What has experience in history given us where we can now look back and say – that's
0: wrong so if, so in other words if, if the oscars were run like a hall of fame let's look back and see how it worked. okay so what do you say let's hit it toga As a millennial, how offensive is that scene?
1: Blatant chauvinism and sexism and voyeurism and spying on girls. Otis loves us. What's the movie? Is it Porkies or
0: Corkies? I can't remember. We're the only white people here. This movie is incredibly vulgar. It's raunchy. It's ribald. Well, could you also get four dates from my friends? You know that it's morally reprehensible. This is a millennial versus Gen X thing. I'm very, very, very polished, crazy. Yeah. OK, so if we're going to be talking about Oscars, you know, like from a pers- more of a perspective, looking back, the idea of, you know, Sports Hall of Fame, you know, do um, you want to start us off with a couple of examples? You want to get the ball rolling and take a look back with a bit of reflection time. Would they have been different? Where do you want to start? It's up to you.
1: The ball's on your Uh point. Sure. Let's start with the one that I think is probably the easiest and uh, the one that people would probably agree with the most. The one that seems to be the topic of discussion anytime anyone brings this up. And we're talking about the Best Picture nominees from 1994. Okay. All right. So the winner for the movie, of the Best Picture in 1994, was Forrest Gump. I love Forrest Gump. I think it's a great film. It's one of those ones where it's on TV, I stop and watch it. There's a lot of great parts in that movie start to finish it's good i mean it it has a few issues here and there but for the most part it's very family friendly it appeals to everyone a wide audience it's got good special effects it tells a good story for the most part um and and you know again it won a lot of awards up and down it was a good movie no question but (laughs) in retrospect you look back now it was competing (laughs) against and beat the shawshank redemption and pulp fiction for best picture and I think that any movie lover will agree that one of those two movies should have beat Forrest Gump. In a three-horse race, Forrest Gump comes third in that list. Now, I, Yeah, I, I agree.
0: I was just going to say, yeah. I, I don't think one of those pictures, but I think they both beat it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And the debate really is, which one should have won? Should it have been Pulp Fiction? Should it have been Shawshank? And that's a debate that could go on all night. And personally, I would be happy with either of those two winning over Forrest Gump. I mean, I'm not Unhappy that Forrest Gump won at the time; it had the momentum. But I think looking back, personally, you got to give it to Pulp Fiction.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say like if I've got to pick between the two, Shawshank Redemption was great. Uh, Really, really love that movie a lot. But Pulp Fiction is the best film. Pulp Fiction at the time was the best American film since The Godfather, and and it was not surpassed for you know another decade, another thirteen years exactly. But uh, and we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But I, I agree, Pulp Fiction was the best picture of 1994.
1: And then, sort of, to piggyback on that, you look at the best director category, and as is most often the case, you know, the people who are nominated for director generally are the same people that mo- that directed mm. all the best picture nominees, and for the most part, that's what's happened here. So again, you've got the director of Forrest Gump, Robert Zemeckis, won for best director, but you have Quentin Tarantino nominated for Pulp Fiction, and again, in retrospect, no disrespect to Robert Zemeckis, he's a great movie maker, he's done some of my all time favorite movies like. You know, Back to the Future, one of my favorites. Um, but you look back on it, you've got to give this award to Quentin Tarantino for direction. Like, no question. Yeah, there's, there's, I really can't say there's any debate on this one. So this is one of those ones that if five years passed. You would see Pulp Fiction win for Best Picture. You would see Pulp Fiction and Quentin Tarantino win for Best Director. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue that Forrest Gump is more deserving in either of those two categories after five years of best.
0: I, for the most part, tend to go with Gen X stuff, and I'm going gonna, gonna to kick off on that. Um, I'm going to mention uh, one of my favorite years, and that's 1981. Um, so in 1981... Um, I think that at the time they made a mistake. And I think if they had five years to reflect on it, they would realize that they still made a mistake. And Chariots of Fire won Best Picture that year. And I would make the argument that any of the other four nominees um, were better. Any of the other ones could have beat it. Atlantic City, could have beat it. On Golden Pond could have been better. And Reds could have been, could have beat it. But I really do believe the best picture of that year was Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was just so good. And it was just such a rip roar and unbelievable film. The opening sequence um, was just unbelievable. The first 20 minutes, you're just like on the edge of your seat. That's going. I mean, they can't believe what's happening. And then it's just like a roller coaster ride. And uh, Spielberg did this again, this technique of having this like unbelievable opening followed by a rather, you know, kind of a down period you know, kind of a boring couple scenes to set the tone of the movie. And he came back to that in 98 with um, with uh, Saving Private Ryan, you know, that opening sequence that just puts you over the top and it kind of slows it down again and it starts to tell the story. Um, but yeah, so I would mention 1981 as one of the years that, you know, they just got it wrong. And I think with any introspective at all, whether it was three years or five years later going back, they would have realized Chariots of Fire was not the best picture that year. They, the Oscars is funny because the, the Academy Awards tend to get caught up sometimes in artsy kind of fare. You know, they like they like to almost be kind of snobbish, like, oh, we're, we're going to award the, the artsy movies. And really, a lot of them, a lot of these art, artsy kind of films, they don't have a lot of staying power, um, especially from a pop culture point of view, but even just as a film, you know from a film perspective. And I definitely think 81 sticks out for me. So,
1: yeah. And I, I mean, Chris, I've heard you say this on the podcast and you and I have actually talked about this. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is basically Steven Spielberg giving a master's class on how to make a movie. Absolutely. I, I agree with that hundred percent. You've said it, I've said it and uh, you know, he's arguably, I don't even think there's much argument. He is the best director of our generation and this Raiders of the Lost Ark is definitely uh, in his top five all-time movies, even arguably his top three all-time movies. And uh, yeah, I agree. I think absolutely it, it deserved to win.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, what else do you want to uh, tackle on this one?
1: All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to some of the performance categories here. Okay, sure. Uh, so I'm going to Again, I know you tend to be more of the uh, the old school, and Yancey tends to represent more of the new school. So I'm going to try and pull more from the newer where I can, but there are obviously a few older ones that I absolutely want to talk about if you don't hit them. So uh, in this case, I'm looking at um, – the 1996 Oscars is the 69th Academy Awards, and I want to talk about the Best Actor category. Now, there's a few categories this year that I, I definitely could talk about, but let's look at the Best Actor category. So, in this year, the actor Best Actor was awarded to Jeffrey Rush yes, for, for the movie Shine. Yeah. Uh, I liked Shine. It was good. He was good in it. I mean, I had no idea who he was before I I saw this movie. And I've seen Jeffrey Rush Rush in a ton of things since since then. And he is a gifted actor. He's quite good. But you look back at these uh, performances by these other actors, you have Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire, Ray Fiennes, English Patient, Woody Harrelson, People vs. Larry Flint, and Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. So you've got five actors in this that You could probably stop anyone on the street and ask them, you ever heard of these people? And they're going to recognize all five names. So these were five big actors, some obviously bigger than other at the time. But with a little reflection, you start looking back at them and you're like, holy cow. And I don't necessarily think Ray Fiennes should have won for The English Patient, although it was a massive hit that year and it made a ton of money and it ended up winning the best picture that year. It ended up winning best – like it swept a bunch of the awards. I don't necessarily think he was – the best in that category but i don't think jeffrey rush was the best either and 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 i think that tom cruise woody harrelson billy bob thornton i think any of those three were more deserving in that category and if i if i had to pick one i would actually pick billy bob thornton and sling blade uh, you know it, it, it wasn't a huge hit but uh, i think he was phenomenal in there and i mean we've seen billy bob thornton do a ton of stuff since then i don't think that anything he's done since then is as good as this was but I think with a little bit of time, he would have been my front runner in this. And if not him, even Tom Cruise. Like, I know a lot of people don't like Tom Cruise. They're like, oh, he just makes popcorn movies. But he was great in Jerry Maguire. And I would not have been disappointed to see him win either.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Billy Bob Thornton kind of made a career off of his performance in Sling Blade. He just kind of rode out the rest of his career based on that performance, I believe. It was strong. And it was his real first performance that kind of put him on the map, too. I think that he deserved to win Best Actor that year.
1: Yeah, I mean they gave him the best screenwriting uh, for for the the uh, best script uh, uh, adapted from something else because the Sling Blade had been a play before. Uh, so again, he won his Oscar, but you know it's like, oh, we're gonna give you this consolation prize. Well, I mean an Oscar's an Oscar, right? Really, yeah. you win an Oscar, it's not a consolation prize. Right. It's But strange. you know they didn't give him the big award that essentially he could have won with that one. So
0: you know. I want to go back way back in time to like, here's a big one. And I want to talk about Citizen Kane for a minute because it lost to how green was my valley. And it just shows how the Oscars are all about sort of industry politics to me, because a lot of Hollywood at the time did not like Citizen Kane. I think mostly because Orson Welles was an outsider who kind of came in and then he just totally schooled them on their own turf, <laughs> right? Like like this yes. guy, because he was from the Mercury Players and he was like a stage actor and he came in and just blew them away with the Probably the greatest film that's ever made. And so so th- that one has always been one that stood out in my mind. But I also want to just touch base on a director, if I could. And that's Stanley Kubrick, because twice he was nominated and twice he lost. Like in 1969, um, he lost a Best Director to uh, Carol Reed for Oliver. And <clears throat> Kubrick should have won for 2001 Space Odyssey. And then again in 1971, he was nominated for A Clockwork Orange and he lost to William Friedkin with The French Connection. and And that was a mistake, too. So... Stanley Kubrick, if you look back, he's one of those guys that, you know, that they, they end up giving like a, you know, a lifetime achievement award, but they don't recognize his individual achievements when they're happening, especially with inferior films that they're up against. I can understand if they're up against something that's unbelievable, you know, and you just, uh, it just happens. You know what I mean? I get it. Um but, you know, like like an example I'm thinking of is like Hitchcock is another one, right? Like Hitchcock never never won an Oscar for, for, for directing. You know, he got like a Lifetime Achievement Award at the end or something like that. And in 1960, you know, he should have got it for Psycho. Uh, you know, and I understand because Billy Wild, Wilder in the apartment, was that's amazing. You know, when you're up against a director like that, okay, that's tough to win. But Kubrick wasn't even up against really, really heavy hitters and he didn't win. And to me, with any reflection at all, a year, two years, five years, if you look back, I think Kubrick should have won both of those Oscars. That's my feeling.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Uh I, I mean I can't speak to uh the what year was the, uh 2001, 69?
0: Yeah, nineteen sixty nine, yeah.
1: Yeah. Not not that familiar with the other uh contenders, but uh the uh, Clockwork Orange I've seen, French Connection, I've seen, Fill on the Roof, I've seen uh you know, so I like I I've I've seen most of the nominees there. And yeah, Clockwork Orange was Unlike anything, And, and maybe that's why it didn't. It was unlike anything that I'd seen before. And I got to think in the time, people probably watched it and went, I don't get it. What's happening here? This is bizarre. They knew enough to recognize that it's different. It's artsy. Let's reward him with a nomination. But I think you gave five years sort of to digest it and see sort of where the movie genre went. And you start to see the influence that that movie had on other movies. And you sort of go, five years have passed. Kubrick deserves this award.
0: Okay, so what else you got? What's another one you want to talk about?
1: All right. let's. uh, I've got so many on my list here. Okay, so when I was looking through the various years, I was originally, I had a whole long list of best pictures, and we'll get to a few of them. And I started getting a whole long list of like best actors, best supporting actors. And what I found was when I was looking at the the categories for the women, more and more, I either had one or two situations was happening. Either I hadn't seen enough of the movies to really make a strong judgment, or I felt that the right person won. And I think this is – and again, as a guy, I might come off sounding like a total idiot on this, so my apologies up front if that's the case. But um, you hear over and over again how uh, traditionally in Hollywood, there aren't a lot of great roles for women. And when there are great roles for women, it's sort of the same actresses tend to get them. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to say that we're seeing things very slowly start to move in the right direction where you, you're starting to see more opportunities, more roles being written as gender neutral. Women are being given the opportunity to play Better parts. better parts are being written for women. Uh, so when I went back through the list, I, I really found that it was hard to come up with uh, lists where the ladies uh, had the wrong winner, we'll call it. Um, but uh, I, I think I did find a few. So uh, I'm going to go uh, pretty new on this last one here. So this is from 2008. And this is the Best Actress category. And we've got um, – Sorry, I just want to make sure. That they're, pardon me, the Best Supporting Actress category. My mistake. So the winner was Penelope
0: Penelope Cruz. Cruz yep,
1: from Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Yep, I remember. Now, I'll, I'll, full disclosure: I am not a fan of Penelope Penelope Cruz. I, 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 it's just you know, some people you like, some people you don't. I've never been a big fan of her work. Um, that that's just me. Call it bias whatever uh, the other nominees in this category were amy adams and Vi- viola davis both for the movie doubt Tar- taraji p henson uh for curious case of benjamin button and marissa tomei for the wrestler looking at so i've seen all of these movies uh mm-hmm. i've seen uh Bu- benjamin button and the wrestler mon- multiple times of these five ladies i would have rather seen anyone other than Penelope cruz win this not just because i don't really care for her but because i think all four of the other nominees were better in their performances. Uh, but if I had to pick one, Marisa Tomei in The Wrestler oh, was outstanding. I agree. Outstanding. I agree with you 100%. So good. <laughs> uh, now, we've talked about this before. Uh, I live in Toronto. The Toronto International Film Festival happens here every September. And for the last 25-ish years, I've gone to the Toronto Film Festival. I've actually missed the last couple of years. But before that, I've been to the, TI- to the TIFF many years. And the year that I went, I saw the premiere of The Wrestler. I think it was a North American premiere of The Wrestler. It was like in the afternoon. It was this little indie movie. I had like 20 films on my list and it was literally the 20th movie. I'm like, I need something that fits in this slot. And I just picked it on a whim and I couldn't believe how good this movie was. And then when it was released and it got all this critical acclaim and it's like, wow, this movie was a runaway freight train. And I don't know how it didn't do better. Mickey Rourke was nominated. Marissa Tomei was nominated. Excuse me. And um, – you know, it was great all around, but I think in this particular case, Marissa Tomei should have won over Penelope Cruz. And I'll tell you I why, think, if I could,
0: know. I'll tell you why she didn't. She didn't because of 1992. I because, agree. Because back in 92, when Marissa Tomei won for My Cousin Vinny, probably one of the biggest surprises in Oscar history, and she also, she she shouldn't have won. She shouldn't have won that year. I mean, you you know, you know could you make the argument around, I thought Vanessa Redgrave and Howard Zinn was amazing, uh, but... Marissa Tomei shouldn't have won that year, and I think there was a lot of animosity. Uh, People were like, "Oh, you know, she didn't deserve it." So then, when it came, you know, years later, when she's nominated for the wrestler, people just outright dismissed her just because of history, and it's too bad because she was phenomenal in the wrestler. Phenomenal.
1: Agreed. And you, you know, you could look at the male category and and say that Mickey Rourke should have beat Sean Penn, uh, Sean Penn for Milk again. I like Sean Penn. He's been awarded numerous times. I don't necessarily think Milk was his best role. He did a good job. But I think looking at this list, um, you know, I would not have been upset to see Mickey Rourke win for the wrestler. I think if you were able to poll voters, if it was like the sports ones where they show you sort of who voted for who and how the other people finished, I would not be surprised to see Mickey Rourke finish a very close second to Sean Penn that year Um Personally, I think Mickey Rourke was more deserving in that one as well, but I think five years past, I don't necessarily think that would have changed it. Um, But yeah, with this one, I think Marissa Tomei, if time had, you know, you give it that five years to rethink about it, I think some of those uh, misgivings would have gone away.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'd like to talk about uh, something more of a general thing And, and, and hear me out and kind of go with me on this, okay? I believe that there's a tendency, as I mentioned before, for Hollywood to be a little snobbish, you know, and this can be. From year to year, it can be within the year. It can be uh, more of a tendency toward uh, artsy films, as I mentioned before. But I think there's a bigger thing than that. And I think there's a tendency for Hollywood to not recognize the film school generation. And so for those people that don't understand, Cave, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, sort of coming up in the 70s, you know, the 1970s were important in, in film for a lot of reasons. But it, for me, it was important because the studio system was kind of coming to an end, right? And then you had all these, like, brash young directors that kind of came out. And it really started with Easy Rider, with Dennis Hopper. People kind of went, oh, the director's kind of important to this whole process. Hmm, isn't this interesting? And there was sort of that defecation of the director that happened in the 70s. And all these young kids that came out of film school, like, there was, like, De Palma and Milius and, you know, like, George Lucas and Scorsese. And Spielberg and guys like these that all came out. Now, Spielberg never went to film school because he never got into USC. Um, and Scorsese was in New York. The rest of them were out in California. But these guys all came along and they changed Hollywood. They changed filmmaking. And Hollywood overlooked them consistently throughout the 70s and right through. Because if you think 1976 Rocky won. For Best Picture, you're telling me that was like if we're going to talk about five years later. If you if you had five years to go back and reflect on that, there is no way Rocky was a better movie than Taxi Driver. You could also make the case for Network and all the President's Men that year too over Rocky, by the way. But Scorsese's Taxi Driver was great. And 1977, I've mentioned before, Annie Hall won Star Wars. Come on, Star Wars was a better film that year. Lucas, you know, it was he was the, this young film school guy and. One of the greatest, uh, you know, uh, oversights, I think, in Oscar history was in 1980. Ordinary People won. And don't get me wrong. I actually liked Ordinary People, believe it or not. I know it's kind of boring, but... Uh,
1: it is very boring.
0: But it's I It's quite I like, slow. It's slow, but you know what I liked about it? I liked the fact that Robert Redford was his first time directing. He basically, I, I believe, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm just kind of pontificating here. But I, I believe that Redford must be a photographer. And this is why. Because if you watch Ordinary People every scene in it is done with the rule of thirds. It stood out to me. It just jumped off the screen when I, when I watch it. It's like the whole thing is shot with the rule of thirds in mind. And, and so, so he's stylizing it, out, know, which, which I think is interesting, but it doesn't really add a lot to the film. And like you said, it is kind of boring. But, and I don't know if it was just because it was Scorsese, the film school guy, but raging bull. I mean, come on. How can you not look back at that year and think Raging Bull was so much better than Ordinary People, you know? And, and oh man, I mean, I guess Coppola did win Best Director in 72. So there was that, I guess. But uh, no, actually, no. Godfather won Best Picture, but Coppola lost out to Bob Fosse for Cabaret, I believe. Yes, he did. So if you think about that, what, what movie's more important in five years, or better yet, in what, 45 years later? What's more important, the Godfather or Cabaret, right? Like, so I, this whole idea of, of five-year introspection, maybe we need to do something about this. Okay, who do we write to? Who do we email? The <laughs> Academy, they've got to put some perspective in there because I think for whatever reason, at the time, they're allowing their biases and prejudices and, you know, like they're they're biased against, like I say, the film school generation. They still are. I mean, like, think about Spielberg for a minute, bud. Like, what what is... Hollywood and, and the, and the academies, you know, disdain for Spielberg. Like 1982, Gandhi wins over E.T. Even Richard Ambrose said E.T. was the best film that year. The Color Purple didn't, was nominated for what, 11 Academy Awards, didn't win one. You know, like it's crazy. Raiders of the Lost Ark, I already mentioned. You know, he lost to Warren Beatty for Reds. Jaws, I guess Jaws I can kind of understand, because it was up against one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So like I get it, but one thing about jaws by the way, just as an Oscar snub that's come to mind here that I will never ever really ever get over is if you want to reflect back on jaws, and one part of it is the best supporting actor. How can you tell me Robert Shaw should not have won best uh, supporting actor for playing Quint in jaws? There's no question and hell he wasn't even nominated. Like it's ridiculous. Like you know George Burns and Brad Dourif, Burgess Meredith, Chris Sarandon, Jack Warden, and Shampoo—really? I mean, like, there's just so many. I'm sorry, I'm just on a tangent. So, yeah, over to you for a minute before I. Think.
1: Okay, I was gonna say, are you done? This is this is the part where uh, in in my real life, when my wife and I chat and one of us sort of rambles a bit, we we reference the South Park movie where uh, they're talking about Terrence and Phillip and the news reporter keeps interrupting. was like, can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> okay, I'm finished. This is um like so Chris, are you finished?
0: I'm finish? finished, yes. Are okay. oh, you
1: finished? Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> <all> <laughs> this right. is a boot diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um Okay, let let let's so you mentioned a few different things. So again, I've got a few lists cracking around here and uh, so you mentioned nineteen seventy seven. Uh the the winner was Woody Allen for for the director category. Woody Allen won for Annie Hall. Yeah. Beating out George Lucas for Star Wars and Steven Spielberg for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I don't think there's any doubt that if five years passed, once you saw how big Star Wars was and how influential and important it was to pop culture, to the movie industry at the time, to, at the time, merchandising to it was future filmmakers, yeah, at the time you're too close to it to see it. You wait five years, there's no doubt. Every, you know that wins with 99.9 percent of the vote. Nobody in their right mind votes for anything else other than Star Wars if you have five years to reflect on that one. But even, and, even and, without
0: – sorry, even without it because I, I'm old. I'm older than you. I was there. I was there in 77. I was seven years old and I remember it. And, and Star Wars was all-encompassing. It was everywhere. It was everything. It was the biggest thing ever. Yeah. So even at the time, they got it wrong. God, they got it wrong. I agree.
1: OK. So uh, we talk about uh, waiting five years. Yes. So what if we look back at something a little more recent? Sure. So I want to look at uh, 2011. Okay. So this is a little more than five years, but not much. Now, uh, a few years back, the Academy Award decided that the best picture category should be expanded from five to as many as possibly 10. And so it's maybe a little more difficult. To determine whether or not, you know, this was the best movie or not. Uh, You know, you've got a lot more options if you're reflecting back five years later. But you look at the best pictures and the winner was The Artist. And I would bet dollars to donuts that the vast majority of people listening to this podcast not only have not seen The Artist, but probably have no idea what that movie even is. I'll admit I have not seen all of it. It's a black and white silent film. And it yes, it, from 2011, black <laughs> and white a, silent a film. black
0: and white silent film wins best yes. picture.
1: Yes, in 2011. Now I'm not saying that that exercise doesn't necessarily deserve some recognition, but the two movies that I see on the list that, in my opinion, five years later are more deserving of a best picture are Moneyball, mm-hmm. based on the phenomenal book and starring Brad Pitt. And I know, obviously, as a baseball movie, you probably have a soft spot for that one, too. Yeah, it
0: was good. I still don't think it was the best picture that year. But I don't think it was I'm the best curious picture, to know what yours but is. But I think
1: it Beat the Artist. But the other one that I do think was the best picture was The Help.
0: Mm, I wasn't the one I was, one I was thinking. But.
1: So the list included here, I'll run down the list for you. So the artist one. Hugo is the non- one I liked, yeah. Which I never saw. So uh, was The Descendants.
0: The Descendants was really good, too, bud. Uh,
1: It was okay. I like it. Extremely Loud and Incredible. I like Alexander Payne, though. Never saw it. The Help we talked about, Hugo you just mentioned, Midnight in Paris, eh, it was okay. Moneyball I loved, Tree of Life, meh, and War Horse, meh. For a Steven Spielberg movie, a little disappointing. Yeah. But in my opinion, the artist absolutely should not have been Best Picture, and I, I think there were a number of other movies that, given five years, would have been in the discussion and would have been potentially a, a winner ahead of the artist. Uh, like you said, maybe it wasn't the help, but I think I, I, I think if you redid this vote five years later, the, the artist doesn't finish in the top five.
0: Mm-hmm. No, you're probably right. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a more recent one, too. Uh, go to 2007, because for me, No Country for Old Men won that year, and that's a movie that Yancey has maybe watched on this podcast and review, which I liked it. It was okay, but there's no way it should have won over There Will Be Blood. There's no way. I mean, I mentioned before that Pulp Fiction was the greatest American film since The Godfather, and the greatest American film since Pulp Fiction is There Will Be Blood, as far as I'm concerned. That movie is absolutely phenomenal. Like, it's phenomenal. Everything about it, it's big, it's epic, it's got this crazy ending. <laughs> like, you, you know, like it takes, the you go from this sweeping epic with all these, like, oil fields and these huge vistas to uh, a guy getting his head. Bastion in a bowling alley like it's just it's a mind-boggling movie it's so so unbelievably good oh man so that is a more of a recent one so yeah i usually do stick to old ones but that is a recent one that i wanted to mention
1: so a little uh, side note here so in that year the other mm-hmm. nominees for best picture no country for old men we talked about yeah. and uh, there will be blood also was michael clayton juno and atonement so in toronto i went to toronto film festival that year and on the same day I saw the premieres of No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. and Juno, wow. both of which ended up being nominated for best picture. Juno was the really ne- good. The next day I saw the first screening of The Hurt Locker, which was then not released for a full year and ended up winning the following the next year. year. Yep, it won. So within you know within less than uh, 48 hours I saw these three fantastic movies, two of which ended up winning best picture Oscars and the third one was nominated. It was like wow. I don't know how that worked out, but it was a pretty uh, a pretty good festival week for me.
0: I want to know what your thoughts are. I'm going to go back to 1989 for a second, because I think if you have time to reflect on that year, I think you have to look back and say that uh, do the right thing should have won Best Picture. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Like, It's kind of a controversial film, and there's some people agree, some people think it wasn't. I think it was absolutely fantastic. And like I say, with any retrospect at all, you have to realize that that, that is a much, much better movie than Driving Miss Daisy, for crying out it
1: wasn't even nominated. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, yeah, do the right thing wasn't even nominated. Um, no, I, I would have been, uh, I would have been okay with any of these movies winning. You know what I mean? To me, the five nominees, none of them stood out more than the other. They were all good, so I was fine with Driving Miss Daisy winning in that one. But to your point, I think if Do the Right Thing was in there, especially five years later, I think that gets more consideration than any of the ones in the category.
0: And Lee's been nominated twice, right? Uh, but man, oh man, his Do the Right Thing was unbelievable god that movie was good like it's that's an to me when i when i look at a movie like that like i look at i go that's an important film yes It's, it's important it's important to watch it it's important to talk about it afterward it's important to figure out what your feelings are as things are going on what you know what it's all about? Like, like, oh, there's so many things I could do a whole podcast and do the right. Thing. That's what I should get. <laughs> Yancey to watch do the right thing. I got to make a note of that because that's a good one. But, uh, you know, like it just it was basically ignored by Hollywood at the time. Danny Aiello was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. That was basically it. And yep. another one that I want to talk about, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, because you mentioned 1994 uh, with Pulp Fiction, Samuel L. Jackson. OK, he has appeared in, uh, you know, over a 100, like 150 films or something like that. Right. And yep. he only has one Oscar nomination and it was for Pulp Fiction in 94. His role as Jules in that movie. I mean, come on. He was outstanding. Like, he yeah. Was out- and it was unfortunately it's probably his best chance to ever win an Oscar, not just because he's only the only time he was he was ever nominated. Right. But um, and maybe because um. I think people looked at the film and although um, uh, Travolta wasn't nominated for, you know, um, uh, a supporting actor or he was nominated for 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 best best actor. actor, So I wonder if people just looked at it and said, oh, there's just a lot of other strong actors in that movie. I can't give it to Jackson. Right. But Samuel L. Jackson was like unbelievable, like iconic like, iconic in that film. And Martin Lando, for Ed Wood, they basically just gave it to him as one of those kind of, like, yep. career Oscars. Yeah. You know, body for Lando. Work. His Here's body of work. work. Exactly. Because he's, yep. like, 65. Yep. Give it to him. You know? And it's just, ah, oh, so wrong. And I'm sure it won't be the last one. But, I mean, how was Samuel L. Jackson only nominated once? And, and, and for such a... Great, great film. And really, if you're looking at it, even if you were at the time kind of doing a scorecard, you're looking at who he's up against with Chaz Palminteri and Gary Sinise. So Gary if you're Sinise. Like, uh, yeah. he's, he's, he's winning this. He's winning this. Like, oh, man, that was a disappointing one.
1: So I think this is a good example of one where uh, the release date probably hurt the movie. So often we see that the, uh, you know, the belief is Academy voters, Academy voters have short, memories. So you want to release your, your your Oscar-worthy picture as close to the cutoff, which is usually around Christmas time. Right, end of the and year. You to, yeah, you want to release it in limited release, to make it eligible and then you want it to go into mass release closer to when the actual ballots go out and I mean this is just playing politics of how it works and again with Pulp Fiction it was released but it was more of like an indie movie it didn't get a wide release in a lot of places it took a while for the momentum to build and I think that this is one that if you actually did have to wait a little longer the you know, it picked up steam it picked up Uh, uh, You know, word of mouth. People started to watch. Like, I remember seeing it over the Christmas break when I came home from university that year and thinking, this movie's fantastic. And going back to school and telling people about it and like nobody had heard of it. But it was that word of mouth where people once people started talking about it, they went to see it. And actually, an interesting example of this is uh, that year in my dorm, we had a big Halloween party and there were two guys that went as Vincent Jules Mm -hmm. and nobody had seen Pulp Fiction. So nobody knew who they were, what they were supposed to be, except for one guy who was one of the five judges and he (laughs) voted for them to win. They obviously didn't win. And he came over to them after and said, if that movie had come out six months earlier, you guys would have won, but you probably wouldn't have been the only Vincent Jules in the room. And he said, your costumes were great, but you were just a little too early. And I think that's indicative of this movie. It was just a little too early, a Mm -hmm. little like, you know, it didn't come out early enough to, to get that Academy vote. Not that I necessarily think that would have changed their mind, but if they had five years to think about it, I think you're right. I think Sam Jackson walks away with that award.
0: I have another controversial question for you. If you had five years to think about 1997, would Leonardo DiCaprio be nominated and or win for Titanic? Because he wasn't even nominated as Best Actor.
1: So I I had this on my list as 1997, and I ultimately decided not to – go down this road. Uh, I thought most of the awards for the most part I could live with. This is one of those ones where I looked at the best actress category. And as much as I didn't necessarily think Helen Hunt was the best actress, I didn't necessarily think any of the other women were any more deserving or less deserving. It was sort of one of these years where there weren't a lot of great roles for women. This was the best of what was out there. I was okay with that. But for best actor, Jack Nicholson won. You know, This is one of those ones where it's like, I don't know who to vote for. Oh well here's the name of someone I know and love. This guy's great. He's won before. Let's just check the box, Jack Nicholson. And I I like As Good As a Cat. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I think he was good in it. Yep. He was good. I I mean I have a soft spot for Goodwill hunting. I like Matt Damon as you talk about because, Of course.
0: Matt Damon. Not
1: Damon, <laughs> but uh, I don't necessarily think he should have won. I would, I would absolutely not have been disappointed. Robert Duvall was great in The Impossible, but that was a movie that didn't have a big release and like nobody saw. Peter Fonda. Peter Fonda, Yulie's yeah. Gold again, limited release, not a lot of people.
0: That saw it. that was another lifetime achievement kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and Dustin Hoffman wagged the dog again. Wag the dog was a great movie. It's more relevant now than it ever was, but sure, yep. didn't do well in the theaters. And again, Hoffman's done great performances. And when that, you've got and that wasn't one of but you've got a body of work no. like he had up until this point. You're like, we're gonna nominate him, but he wasn't as good in this as he's been in other stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I'm okay with Nicholson getting it. I wouldn't necessarily have been disappointed if any of these other actors got it. Can
0: we? Oh, sorry. Yep.
1: Your, but your question was about Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Uh, should he have gotten a nomination? I I don't know. I don't think so. Um, he's one. He's another one of those guys that falls in the Penelope Cruz category. I like him, but I don't love him. And he's good, but I don't necessarily think he's great. And when he won for – what was when he won for The Revenant a couple of years back? Yeah. That to me was a gift award. It's like it was. here, he's got a body of work. He's never won. He's been nominated for a bunch of stuff. We're going to give it to him. Um, and I, d- I didn't think The Revenant was his best work, but I didn't think Titanic was his best work either. So
0: I don't know. He's sort of become Sor- Scorsese's muse, almost like in the '70s. Um, you know, um, uh, Robert De Niro was his muse, and now you know it's it's DiCaprio, and DiCaprio's done some good work with him. I think uh, Scorsese's brought out the best in him, um, but I definitely think DiCaprio should have been nominated, especially over. Um, Peter Fonda, even Dustin Hoffman that year, that was just yeah. over Hoffman for staying sure. with that year for a second. I have another one for you because here's a guy this that you and ride. I both Let's like
1: see if you're going in the right direction. And
0: here. this is the, the, the supporting actor and, oh, okay. and, and you and I both have talked before about Burt Reynolds. You know, because he, you know, we lost him recently, right? You know, he passed yes, away. It. And he was nominated that year. And this would have been his only chance, you know, to to get an Oscar at this point in his career. Although he, some of his earlier work, you know, I think people look at it and go, oh, you mean, he was Stroker Ace, you know, Cannibal Run. Yeah. Hold the phone here. Don't forget about stuff like Deliverance and stuff that he did where he's actually a really, really good actor, um, yeah. a really strong actor. And his performance in Boogie Nights was outstanding like outstanding um Robin Williams obviously won that year for Goodwill hunting, and I don't take it away from him. I know this I get a lot of flack for this from time to time. I'm not a big Robin Williams fan. I don't think he was a great actor um, I think that he got the Oscar. he won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting for one scene and it's that scene when he's on the bench and he's yeah. talk and, he, and he just makes uh, goodwill hunting he's just like shut up and listen and he just yeah. gives a monologue and it was good. it was very good and and I thought he was good in that movie. I like Robin Williams when he's toned down. When he's toned down like in that, I like him. You know, yeah. uh, Good Morning Vietnam and, and, and Patch Adams and all that crap. I, I didn't like him. But when, when, so, he, so when he was toned Chris, down, saying,
1: I— yep. Sorry, you're saying you like Robin Williams with the beard, because when he wears a beard, <laughs> when he, he tends beard. to be toned down. Exactly. He tends to play doctors and more <laughs> yeah. serious roles. But <laughs> yeah. when he doesn't have the beard and he goes off the handle, you're not a big fan. Not of a that. big fan.
0: I wasn't a big fan of that. Okay. No, that way. But uh, but I did. I thought he was really good in that. But uh, but yeah, Burt Reynolds, man. Even Robert Forster that you were checking yeah. out. God, he was good in that too. Hey, eh? so good. Yeah. Oh man. So
1: man. okay. So uh, number one, huge, I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. So I think he was deserving of this award. I'm glad he got it. I, I got no bones with this one whatsoever. But. If there was an opportunity to give it to two people, yes, Burt Reynolds, 100%, should have been. It should have been a tie. Now, what I heard, Mm -hmm. true, true or not? Because after Burt Reynolds died, I read a lot of stuff about his life. They were saying that um, he refused to do any sort of publicity for this movie when it came out. He didn't do the talk shows. He wouldn't do the junkets. He basically said, "You paid me to do the movie. I gave you my best performance. Literally, gave the best performance." and that's where my commitment to this ends, and I'm done. And the studio's like, Bert, we can get you an award here. We can get you an Oscar. Like, this is great. And he's like, great. Go ahead and do that. And he's like, we, get, "We you need to come out and do your part. And he's like, no. If it's that good, sell it. And apparently there was a lot of backlash from Hollywood insiders, and they're like, if he's not going to make the effort, we're not going to vote for him. So whether or not that's true, whether mm-hmm. or not that influenced the voting that much, I don't know. Now, if he did all that stuff, would he have won? Maybe I don't know. That's a, that's something we'll never know. But if five years had to pass, I I think he might have had a good shot at it. I think I think Williams probably would have still won it. But I think Burt Reynolds would have been much more in the conversation.
0: And just just one more you know shot at nineteen ninety seven. That, that we're on it. Um, the supporting actress Kim Basinger won. If you had yep. five years to reflect on it, Gloria Stewart's getting that award. Her performance in Titanic was like it was like something. It was like Lillian Gish. It was just, it was so good. Oh, so good. And I think if you could reflect on that properly, I don't think Kim Basinger should have won that award either. But, um, what's, so, what's, an, what's another I, year wait, category you want to talk so about?
1: So I'm going to both agree and disagree on okay. what you just yeah, said. please. I agree. Kim Basinger should not have won this award, mm-hmm. but I don't think Gloria Stewart would have been the front runner. I think it would have been Julianne Moore or Joan Kuzak, probably Julianne Moore. Again, I've mentioned on the previous podcast, I love Boogie Nights. I think Julianne Moore did a, a phenomenal job in this movie. I think if it came down to it, five years later, she's going to be your front runner. And we've seen her been nominated for a number of things since then. We know she's a great actress; she's yeah. proven it. And I think
0: that I felt, I felt like she was not. I, I thought she was good in that. I thought Julianne Moore was good, in that. and she's a phenomenal actress. I felt more like she was nominated for that just because she did nudity in it. I did. I, I hate really? this. I hate to simplify it like that. That's, that was my feeling when I watched the film. Wow, I know okay. it's not hard to believe. Like she's a very talented actress, but I just I didn't think that she was the best actress that year. I don't know, my, my thought.
1: Okay, let me do one more here because I know we're starting to run a little long on this. Sure, so. and then we'll, then we'll have uh, some fun. Then we'll have some yes, fun. Yes, yes, we will. Okay, I'm going to go back to uh, 2011. We talked about the uh, Best Picture nominee, about the artist. Yes. This I'm going to talk about the uh, the ladies this time around, the Best Actress category. Great. So you have uh, some pretty big names nominated here. The The award went to Meryl Streep for The Iron Lady, which yep. was the uh, where she played Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do not think that this was her best work by any stretch of the imagination. She was good. Like I mean she always is good. Don't get me wrong. But it's the difference between a B performance and an A performance. This was not an A performance for her. Um, I think uh, you look back at it here and you've got um, Viola Davis in The Help, which I've already said I think was probably more deserving of a best picture. And – Possibly a dark horse contender here. I think uh, Rooney Mara, who was the girl with the dragon tattoo, was fantastic in that movie. She was well. good in that. Yeah. And I think either of those two, uh, five years later, you look back, you give it to one of those two over Meryl Streep. And I mean, Michelle Williams was also nominated and she's great, too. But I think in this company, um, you know, I, I just don't see Meryl Streep winning it five Will- years
0: Williams' later. movie that year was My Week with Marilyn and it was just too small of a film. I, yeah. just, I think it was just too small of a film and 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 her performance wasn't enough to, to transcend that movie into anything I think it was Viola Davis for the help she was really yeah. good in that and, but Rudy and, Mara was good too I agree yeah. with you
1: yeah and this is one of those ones where it's like time will tell and it's like look at Viola Davis now like her career has just skyrocketed she's you know definitely one of the it women in Hollywood and I think five years later this this would have been a very different race.
0: I agree. Okay. So, um, we have, we've had you on, you know, in, in the past. Um, and you and I have done the show solo a couple of times. Um, so it's time now to have a little bit of a different version of, of our fun. And, and we call it fun, fun with caveman. <laughs> okay. So what we're going to do because you're the guest. I'm going to let you have a chance to have some fun with me and then I'm going to have some fun with you. I got something lined up for you. So you, I'll let you go first because you're the okay. guest. So okay. what, what have so, you got for me? How are we going to have some fun? All right.
1: Well, so we're talking about uh, the Oscars. So yes. it's it's in that vein. Okay. And uh, as you may or may not know about me, uh, I'm a big gambler. I go to Las Vegas at least once a year. I've been going to Vegas for 25
0: years. You and I and... have been to Casino Rama together when we went to see ZZ Indeed Top. we have. Yeah. Indeed we have. Yeah. I,
1: I, you know, I need to have my uh, my gambling bone tickled from time to time. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that I like to gamble on when I – like I watch a lot of hockey is I do the over and under. Mm-hmm. And so for okay. people that aren't necessarily familiar with that, it doesn't matter who wins the game. You add up the score of all the participants. So right. in a hockey game, if the final score was 4-1, you add the four and the one together, you get five. And that is the number you're trying to figure. Is it over or under the line that Vegas sets or that it, uh, Gamble Online? You Is that what it's, so like football game? Same thing, like an over and under. You the, the, the home team, the away team, you add them together and you get a number. So. Uh, I'm going to do that with uh, with uh, these Oscars. So okay. the question I've got for you, Chris, yes. is I'm going to give you a list of 10 people okay. who have been nominated for Oscars and never won one. Okay. I'm setting the line at three and a half. Three and a half. So what you have to tell me is if you think it's under, if they've only been nominated one, two, or three times, mm-hmm. that's under. If they've been nominated four times or more, that's over. over. So three and a half is the line. Okay. They're always going to be over or under. There's nobody who actually hits three and a five because you can't get a half. You can't get a half. So I got 10. I'm going to run down the list and you just tell me, do you think they went over or under? Basically, I'm asking you, how many times do you think they've been nominated? If you know, great. If you don't, just guess. Over okay. and under. I'm looking for the exact number. I mean, if you know the it. Over, and, you
0: to, and again, the over and under is three and a half? Three and a half. Three and a half. So, okay, gotcha.
1: Just repeat, none of these 10 have ever won an Oscar. Gotcha. Okay. These are all people who have had numerous nominations never won you gotta tell me over and under three and a half okay okay ready
0: go okay ed harris ed harris would be over
1: you're correct ed harris was over he has been nominated four times all right amy adams over also correct she have been nominated five times oh. okay bradley cooper
0: I'll go under. This
1: does does not include A Star is Born, which if we had this conversation a couple months from now, he's probably getting nominated up and down. This is based on his body of work as of right now. And as of right now, A Star is Born has not received any nominations because the nominations haven't come out yet. So
0: So I will say under for Bradley Cooper.
1: That would be wrong. He has had four nominations. But in all fairness, he's only had three acting nominations. Mm. He's received uh, a... a uh, nomination as a producer on this a film. This is a fargin trick question. Yes, it was.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a Gen X Johnny dangerously quote, by the way.
1: <laughs> All right, Glenn Close.
0: Ah, uh, she is definitely over.
1: Six times she's been nominated.
0: Sigourney Weaver. I will say under.
1: Correct. Three times she's been nominated. Never won. Yes.
0: Tom Cruise. Mm, I will go under as well, just under. Right, just under. three times. Yep. All right. All
1: right. Going to move to a couple of directors.
0: Okay. Okay. I
1: wait, I got one more performer on my list. Sure. Will Smith, Fresh uh, Prince of Bel Air.
0: Ooh, I will go. I'll, leave, I'll go under.
1: You're right. He's only been nominated twice. Twice. And then. Which, in a couple of cases, I think is criminal. I think yeah. there's a few cases he's been overlooked for fantastic performances, and I'm sure one day he'll win. But So far, just two times. Okay. I got three more names on the list. They're all directors. Ready?
0: Yes. Over, under is three and a half. Three and a half is the number. Gotcha. Ridley Scott. Uh, I will go under. No. Trick question. He has received
1: four nominations, but he has only received three for directing.
0: Well, that's what it is. So I should get that one.
1: No. The question's just nominations. So you got that one wrong. Okay. George
0: Lucas. Oh, he's under.
1: No. He has received four Oscar nominations.
0: Really? I, I only two thought he got two. for acting and two for writing. No, that, this is a director. Oh, I see. you've been two directing. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. That's another Fargan trick. Question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Last one on the list.
1: Yeah. Director Paul Thomas Anderson of Boogie Nights, which we've talked about a few times
0: tonight. I will go just under. <laughs> No, he's over. He's oh. received eight
1: nominations, five of which for, for directing.
0: Five for directing. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: All right. Maybe well, not You got seven right, seven, and the ones you better. got wrong were sort of trick questions. Yeah, so. they
0: were all trick questions. They were all Fargan trick questions anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Um, okay, so I'm going to play a game with you. Super easy. 50-50. Okay? Oh, I'm going to mention – a performer. This is, and then there's no trick questions in this. There's no like <laughs> that you got nominated for writing or some stupid thing like that. I want All I'm going to do is I'll mention um, an actor or an actress. All right. And what I want you to do is you just tell me have they ever won an Academy Award for acting? Yes or no? Super easy, right?
1: Well, if any of them are on my list, I, I got a little head start on you. But okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. Half of them you gave them to me. Okay. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.
1: Sorry, is this is if he's been
0: nominated or if he's won? No, won. Has he won? No, he has not won. But nominated twice, but he has not won. Uh, How about Angelina Jolie? Yes. For lunch, up did she win the Oscar? She did. All right, how about, uh, let's go with Johnny Depp. Has Johnny Depp ever Mm -hmm. won an Oscar? Uh,
1: No, no, I'm going to say no.
0: No, he has not. Nominated three times, but never won. All right, let's go with Richard Dreyfuss. Did Richard Dreyfuss ever win an Oscar? Uh.
1: Wow. I, I want to say yes, but I don't know. for I'm going to say yes.
0: Yes, he did. It is what did he, he win for? 1977's The Goodbye Girl. Ops. Also nominated in 95 for Mr. Holland's Opus, but he won for The Goodbye Girl. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones ever win an Oscar?
1: Yeah, for Chicago.
0: Yes, she did. Uh, what about Edward Norton? Did Edward Norton oh. ever win an Oscar? I, I, I'm
1: confident I'm not 100% I'm fairly confident he has not but he has been nominated for some awards that I think he should have won so I'm going to say no
0: no he, he was not he was nominated three times but he did not win
1: yeah uh, he was so great Primal Fear in American History X he was amazing how
0: about Jessica Lange Jessica Lange ever won an Oscar ooh uh oh man yes <laughs> Yes, she did. She won two, actually, for Tootsie Tootsie in 82 and uh, Blue Sky in 94. Uh, Myra Sorvino. Did Myra Sorvino ever win an Oscar?
1: Yes, Mighty Aphrodite.
0: How about, uh, here's an easy one. How about Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford ever win an Oscar?
1: I know he was nominated for Witness, and I think that was his only nomination. I'm going to say no.
0: Yeah, that was his only nomination, and he did not win. How about Joaquin Phoenix? joaquin phoenix ever win an oscar
1: he'd been nominated a bunch of times uh did he win for walk the line i think he did i'm gonna say yes
0: he did not win for walk the line no he did not win how about mary steenburgen you know mary steenburgen did yeah, she ever she win an the oscar
1: in uh, back to future three Come yes on.
0: yes did she win an oscar
1: you know what i i have no idea i'm gonna say yes
0: yeah, she did in 1980 for Melvin and Howard. How about now, Goldie Hawn? You know Goldie Hawn. Did she ever win an Oscar? Oh,
1: uh, uh, I know she was nominated because I remember when Almost Famous came out and her daughter got nominated. They're like, oh, mother-daughter nominations. I, For the life of me, can't remember if she ever won. Uh, she went for Private Benjamin? I'm going to say No.
0: Mm. She did. She won in 1969 for Cactus Flower. Wow. Um, how about uh, Christopher Walken? We all love Christopher Walken. Did he ever win an Academy Award, though?
1: He sure did. He won for the Deer Hunter.
0: He sure did. How about Sean Connery? Did Sean Connery ever win an Oscar? Uh Oh, he did.
1: He won for the Untouchables.
0: Yes, he did. And last but not least, Whoopi Goldberg. Did Whoopi Goldberg ever win an Oscar?
1: She did indeed. She was one of the ones on my list that I don't think should have won, but yes, she won for Ghost.
0: Yes, she did for 1990 in Ghost. And I'll I'll, I'll throw one last one in. Sure. How about Cloris Leachman? You remember Cloris Leachman? Phyllis. Remember Phyllis? Did Phyllis ever win an Oscar? Ooh.
1: Probably. Sure. Let's say yes. Yes, she did
0: in 1971 for the last picture show so she wow. certainly certainly did so that was
1: just, i was playing the odds on that one i figured yeah, she, has 50, 50. A, she has such a big body of work i'm thinking she's probably got one in there so, so, so
0: congratulations you did very well now i'd also like to point out one of the reasons you did so well because it was 50 50 and there were no far trick questions <laughs> but uh other than that really well good well played my friend very yep. good um so uh, <laughs> listen hey what, what before we wrap things up you got anything on the go you got anything you want to plug what's going on in your life i think
1: matter of fact uh so uh as i may have mentioned on a previous episode i am a super nerd uh not just movies but no sci-fi comic books role-playing games board games so you're not a nerd women love you oh well yeah they do but they're all nerdy women so Mm uh I am a huge, huge nerd when it comes to uh, gaming and I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and no, I did not have a girlfriend in high school and yeah, that was probably a part of why. Shocking. Yeah,
0: shocking. I know. The D&D so, guys, they were usually yeah. just you know, um, fighting them off like you. Know. Oh,
1: yeah. No, it's a different world today but back in the 80s when I was in high school, uh, yeah, not so, no, not so much. No, not so much. I'm sure there were other
0: factors but that didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you're I, to a cave this day, man just club them over the head and drag them yeah. Oh, my, 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 no,
1: kidding. <laughs> so, to this day, I do play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and I love it and I have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, one of the things that I've had an opportunity to do over the years is write some materials for the Dungeons and Dragons game. And I have recently written uh, an adventure that, uh, is Christmas themed and is now available for sale. I know a lot of your listeners don't care, but hey, if you're a gamer or you want, want, want to just say hey i've listened to this guy on the show a few times let's throw him a couple of dollars i would greatly appreciate it the uh the particular product is called Winter Wonderland is the name of my adventure, like walking in a winter wonderland. I try to pick something Christmas. Uh, the website you want to go to is DMs Guild. That's the letter D, the letter M, the letter S, and then the word guild, G-U-I-L-D, dot com, dmsguild.com. D-M's and if you go into the search engine, you just type Winter Wonderland, it'll show up. Uh, probably if you type my name, Derek Myers, it'll show up as well. Uh, it's I think it's 4 bucks US, 5 bucks Canadian. If anyone's interested, uh, by all means, check it out. And uh, basically, 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 if you are a gamer in any way and you're curious, someone has stolen the presents from Santa's workshop and you have to find them before he rides away in his magic sleigh. And that's the high level uh, premise of the adventure. And uh, we did a lot of play testing and it's been very well received, Uh, you know, toot my horn a little bit. So I I would uh, highly uh, recommend it to anyone who's a gamer. And hey, uh, if you're curious, you got four bucks, dmsguild.com, Winter Wonderland. I would certainly appreciate the pickup.
0: Dude, I don't know how you didn't get more girls in high school with stuff like that.
1: I didn't get any girls in high school oh, so. or guys for so that matter. I got no... <laughs> <laughs> nothing. There was me nothing the going on. playing in the basement.
0: <laughs> it's no. all good. Well, I'll tell you what. Hopefully next week Yancey will be back. So, you know, he's on vacation, like I said. Um, in the meantime, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can reach Derek on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM. You can find Yancey at Yancey Eaton or you'll find me at C McBrien. Um, or you can always go to PopGoesYourWorld.com. All of our contact information is on there. If you enjoy the show and what we are doing here take a minute go on to iTunes and leave a review for the show we'd really really appreciate that I tell you what until next time on behalf of Yance Eaton and on behalf of Derek Myers this is Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World the pop culture podcast for the generations thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast continue the conversation on Twitter at C McBrien or at Yancey Eaton Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.